Hello and welcome to Unofficial Partner, the sports business podcast. I'm Richard Gillis. Today's conversation is about how the biggest spenders in sports sponsorship tackle the shutdown in the calendar. For this, we sought the views of Ben Blanco, currently the global sponsorship lead for Heineken based in Amsterdam and prior to that was head of sport and entertainment marketing at Samsung. Ben's role at Heineken is to oversee the beer giant's relationship with sport that includes sponsorship of, amongst other things, the UEFA Champions League, Formula One, the Heineken Cup Rugby and, of course, Euro 2020, which was due to take place in 12 cities around the continent this summer. None of that's happening. So what decisions does Ben need to make now and how does a big brand deal with the ramifications of such a massive hit to sport? The unofficial partner podcast is now published daily and we're proud and grateful that our conversations are being listened to by thousands of people from across the sports business every week of the year. If you'd like to inquire about advertising, sponsorship or branded podcasts, please get in touch with Sean via email, sean at unofficialpartner.co.uk or you can reach us via the website unofficialpartner.com. Um, I... I'm very keen to just work out and talk to you about what the next few months holds for Heineken um, and you and what the sort of cancellation or the, the sorry, the postponement of the Euros and Formula One races and all those things, what that actually means from a, from your, you know, a big brand's perspective. So can we, can you just sort of take us through what's the, what's, what's happening? Where, what, what sort of decisions are you making at the moment? So yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's it's been a really, really interesting time. Um, obviously, you know, we we're talking about you know the, the sports industry and there's a the context of sort of our world and the business. Um, there's you know there's very clearly a, a bigger world going on out there with you know people's health and, and livelihood. Um, you know, very unclear at stake and, and being impacted. So, so everything we talk about and think about is you know is very much within the the constraints of our of our day to day and obviously our privilege of working in the the sports industry but um yeah you know it's been a, it's been a really interesting time um i was thinking about it and and as a team we've actually been kind of feels like we've been dealing with it a lot longer because we had some some very big plans um particularly with uefa in china this year um with our team out there so obviously with the um you know the, that being almost the epicenter and, and the start of everything in early january We've actually been thinking about and talking about and, and making decisions based on this for, for quite some time. Obviously, it, it hit Europe, and uh, I'm obviously based in Amsterdam in the last two weeks. Um, so, you know, particularly last week um, and the end of the week before was, was very much information gathering, you know, staying close to our partners, our agencies, our internal stakeholders, understanding from, from UEFA what was going on with, with the Champions League and Europa League and and euros and very much trying to keep everybody um just feeling part of it communicated to understanding where decisions can and can't be taken understanding that other decisions rely on other people making decisions and really just managing that process and and getting all the information together this week has started to turn more into thinking about right how do we how do we react to this just to, just a before we get into the sort of weeds of it, just give us an idea because your city, you know, Heineken's got one of the biggest, broadest sort of portfolios. Obviously, beer and sport go together and have done for years, ever. Um, what what are the main, what do, what are the sort of, how do you look across your rights portfolio? What's the, is there a hierarchy? 
no, I don't. You know, no, I don't think so. You know, I'm I'm really privileged to to work in a business that has such a, like, as you said, such a not only a place within sport and within our sponsorships. You know, you know, beer and and sport go hand in hand. Um, but also a business that's you know, uh, next year was our you know, or this coming season is 25 years with um the Heineken Champions Cup rugby. Last year was um 25 years with UEFA. Um, we've you know been with the Rugby World Cup since '95, um, so really privileged as well to to work with a business that has such a long heritage with all of our partners as well. So, so, so there's no hierarchy. Um, but as you said, you know, just just very lucky that that we have one of the um a, a great number of partners that we work with. And in terms of the practicality, there's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, about the you know the renaming of the Euros, Euro keeping it at 2020. Yeah. Um, that feels like a sort of early. Well, you tell me what what's your view on that that topic? Yeah, I think you know, obviously, people can be listening to this at different times, and and we're in a we're in a a situation at the moment that that changes by the hour. So, um, you know, obviously, this week, um, the Olympics have now come out, and and Olympics and Paralympic Games, and, and confirmed that they're going to retain the Tokyo twenty twenty. Um, UEFA. Are, 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 Looking at that that name and logo, um, you know, f- from my side, I, I, I as a fan, I, I still view all of these events as, as 2020. Quite frankly, if, if just because I'm attending or watching in 2021, I'm I'm very aware of why it's taking place in 21. Um, so I, you know, I'm talking personally here. I almost have a preference to, to retain that, um, you know, retain the name of, of and logos of those tournaments. From from a business perspective, and, and from anybody that's working on this, I imagine um, retaining is is a preference because um, you've obviously got people that have been working on all of these events in a number of different ways for for many many years. So to change logos and to change change years would be a would be more of a challenge at this stage. Um, what in terms of the 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 input into the conversation with the the sort of 2021 is already you know stacking up to be a heck of a year sports wise <laughs> it's gonna you know the cal- how they work the calendar out and where they go and whether there's any unity at all across the rights holders what's your sense of that because it, i mean do you care when these things happen or do you have an input into that in terms of the the timings I mean, you know, this. I mean, you know, I suppose yes to both. You know, certainly care, of course. Certainly have an opinion, um, and certainly we, again, you know, we we work with our partners on this, and and we're lucky to have really strong partners that that are open to our opinion and, and don't just make decisions and and then tell us. You know, I'm not saying that they necessarily can make decisions based on what we want, but um, or any partner wants. But it, but it's great that we have these discussions and. To be frank, 2020 to, for us was, was gearing up to be an incredible year anyway. You, you know, you had the Euros, the UCL, UEL finals, um, the Olympic Games, you know, number of Grand Prix, Heineken Champions Cup final. So 2020 was was gearing up to be a, a huge year anyway, especially straight off the back of Rugby World Cup 2019, only finishing in uh, in the beginning of November. So it almost just extends this sort of two years of, of what we were expecting to be an incredibly busy and exciting 2020 over into 2021 and again let's hope that um some sort of normality or we're not in this situation next year and, and i think you know sport and entertainment is, is going to be a a huge play a huge role in 
in getting everyone back back going again and, and something to look forward to and, and you know what 2021 we have to look forward to as a as a, a group of people we quite often the sponsorship you know conversations are about the media and creative end of things about the campaigns and you know the the that bit of the the jigsaw obviously heineken is is deep into things like pouring rights there's a there's a commercial um strong commercial argument and and roi which is based on real business returns how does that play and also the hospitality obviously Heine, you know the, the things like champions league formula 1 these are very, you know, a lot of the rights that you bought are are tied up with hospitality and and guest invitations, etc. So just unpick that for us, just to, just just tell us what what that means. Yeah, again, you know, for for, for any brand, um, you know, tickets, hospitality to, to any event, you know, is used in a variety of different ways. Whether it's you know t- traditional hosting of, of customers and consumers, um, you know, g- giveaways. Um, you know, competitions that have been run, other stakeholders that, that are utilising those tickets from a global level or, or from a from a market level. So there's a there's a huge impact on on any event changing um, to where you've got promotions in on the shelves of Tesco's or, or wherever it may be um, in different markets. So we obviously have to to look at that impact and react. But again, with the Euros changing to 2021. Um, you know, we, as fans, we're all still waiting to hear what happens to the wider football season. Um, but, you know, there's different things to to unpack at those levels, like you said, and, and sort of solve. But but again, that you know, any brand will be doing that at the moment and and looking at uh, you know how they can move things, what 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 needs to be changed, what needs to be moved, what needs to be stopped at the moment, and, and what potentially can't carry on. Um, obviously, as a, as a beer brand, you know, and again, for me being here for two years now, this has been a, a big learning curve for me in terms of the, the, the beer industry and obviously our role at events. I've, I've never worked for a, a sponsor, really, that's had such a role to play obviously at the event because, you know, getting a, a cold Heineken into the hands of people is, is you know, what, what we do at these events and how we support. So, you know, we've, we've done an awful lot of work already across 12 stadiums for the Euros. Um, you know, in 12 different cities, that was a big challenge this year. Obviously, we're not just working with one set of government regulations or local legislation and um, local concessionaires or, or local markets. You know, there's 12 different cities. So an awful amount of work had, had been done already um, to work out what and how and when we were going to pour um, Heineken at those venues. But, you know, hopefully a lot of that work can, can transfer to the new 2021 euros. And in terms of the... The way in which you then see that you know when you've got you've got long term relationships with with rights holders, which people are you know now saying that's a that's a big asset at a time like this. You can you know you've got more open conversations, more, there's more trust there than it would be if it was a sort of one off transactional um, relationship. But what's the um, if I've learned anything over the last couple of weeks, it's the phrase "make good." Um, and what in terms of the the conversations well you know you have lost considerable amount by the cancel you know the postponement of this year how do you how does that work do you in terms of the, the, what are you looking for in terms of getting some value back from the rights holders you know genuinely and this isn't um this isn't dodging your question in any way you know i i honestly haven't been part of those conversations yet you know um 
again, you know, you, you choose words really carefully in, in this environment. And as I said, you know, I'm, I'm specifically talking about um, the world we work in, the sports marketing, sports sponsorship. But, you know, there's been a number of positives that have come out of this situation. And, you know, what one has been, as you mentioned, is the, the reliance on the partnership and the relationship before turning to contracts or agreements. Um, you know, we're, we're all looking at solutions. We're all managing a situation as best as we can, a, a developing situation as well. That's that's what's so so tough um, from any for anybody in this in this environment is is we just don't know, quite frankly, what's happening at the moment, where the bottom is, how the day is going to look tomorrow. Um, so it it really does put the emphasis on those relationships, on communication, as I mentioned before, and and of course, as I said, you know, we look across everything, and I think everyone probably does this in terms of yeah, you know, what what can we carry on with what potentially needs to stop and and potentially because some of these changes can't be used again um and what can what can continue or what can change or what new opportunities come from this situation um so so we really haven't got into any level of that in terms of in terms of what are we losing um it's all about focusing forwards and and how can we react best to this situation how can we still deliver what we need to deliver how can we be prepared for for example, when the football season does start again, if it's to start again, um, so so that that really is where our focus is, and and I have to say across the board, you know, it's one of these positives, as I mentioned, is is really, um, really working with your partners, communicating with them, enhancing the personal relationships we have. I think this has been a, a, another positive I've noticed about maybe working on, you know, whether it's Microsoft Teams or Zoom is. You know, when you're looking at someone through a computer screen, you're almost getting a window into their life and then children walking behind and partners walking behind and, and noise going on in the backgrounds. And um, it, it really sort of puts the emphasis on our more human relationships, sometimes our yeah. sort of business transactions. Um, and that's really been nice. And even as a team internally, I think we've um, really come together through this time across the globe, not just our team in Amsterdam. Um, I certainly feel connected to our team. Um, we talk often every single day, whether it's together or with meetings with our partners. As I said, we see each other through the computers. We see each other's lives. Um, and also, I think, you know, we focus in on that period. It's quite easy to walk into an office and sort of say hello to everybody whilst checking Twitter on your way in in the morning. But when mm. you're on a computer, you really look each other in the eyes and, and ask how your day's gone and what have you been up to and, and how have you been able to manage the kids and maybe getting out for a bit of exercise. Yeah, that's very true. Actually, I've not heard anyone sort of put it like that. That's uh, that really resonates. That's uh, you can. There's no hiding, is there? No, not at all. And, I, and again, you know, this might be one of the changes that we, um, just on a more communication level, you know, this might be one of the changes that we see coming out the whenever the back of this is is it's just how people operate as businesses and and whether it's stigmas attached to working from home or flexible working or, or working through these various um, you know connection platforms. Is that you know it, it can be done. Um, I think it's easier because we're all in the same situation. It might be become a, a bit difficult if there's a you know a boardroom in Switzerland and, and I'm sat on a beach in the Bahamas. That might not work so well. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you know it has. It, if I can say that there's been any positives of this, it's been it's been our relationships with our agencies, with our with our partners, with our partners' agencies, and us as a team together feel feel more more connected and 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 closer than ever really and, and looking each looking after each other from both a personal and professional perspective 
if we if we sort of project forward to to let's assume it's 2021 presumably i mean obviously there's been a this is a creative question um you've got a lot of activation work that and thinking that's been done with agencies you've got mnc sarchi and opened an office in amsterdam you're you know they're working on on campaigns and the building up inventory what happens to that sort of creative inventory or the assets that you've that they've used is that is that do you think that's going to be reusable or is it something you think okay tonally it's important to get this right and you're going to have to then rethink that whole thing yeah i mean again it's a it's a it's a huge question to be quite frank and not a not simple answer we we have published you know as well as mnc who you mentioned with a number of other agencies working on our um on our campaigns particularly publicist milan who are our, our creative agency leading across all of the all of the all of the TVCs and, and social and digital type creative that you see from Heineken and and yeah you know we, we have to look at you know when it comes to the Euro sp- specifically um, obviously we have to look at, at not only what changes has been made to the Euros through date um, but we then have to look at our look at our campaigns and um, there's things that you don't immediately you, you know you sometimes think of the functional first um, so you know is the date relevant if there was to be a you know obviously because there has been a date change you know we've talked about logos and, and branding already and, and things like that we we hope remain the same um but then you start looking at the constructs of, of creative as well and obviously in this environment um you know if you look at a lot of our champions league campaigns as is natural for a for a, a brand such as heineken and a, and a beer brand you know we we have scenes with with people together in a bar um drinking together um now obviously in this yeah. in this um period we're in where social distancing is is absolutely vital and, and everybody's in, being encouraged to to take responsibility and not gather um having creative with people packed together doesn't um doesn't necessarily correspond now obviously hopefully by next year that will change but again it just gives you a bit of insight into you know you're really looking into the detail almost of every single scene particularly at a time like this to make sure that tonally um everything's on point to make sure you know there's there's, there's no errors in there from from the, the previous world to the, to the new world of what you know um you know looking at the um you know from the euros for example obviously with the playoffs being uh now taking place i think it is in in june has been announced or looking at um you know one difference is we'll know all the teams that are playing in the euros whereas at the moment we were due to have playoffs in in uh, March to, to complete the tournament. So we could have new teams that need to be considered. So there's, there's really a widespread, um, there's, there's just a, a real, a real big mix of things you need to look at before almost then you even think about, um, about how your brand is then positioned in this new world and whether the, whether the construct and whether the initial brief still works with, with the new tournament. Mm. Mm. And the uh, presumably the media inventory that's been bought around the events. I mean, that's a different conversation with a different group of stakeholders. But you've what's the? There's a sort of short term, long term question here. One is that where does the money go when it's not going in? You know, if there if event if Euros, Champions Leagues, Formula Ones are not happening, and you've paid, you know, to be around that in terms of media advertising, where does that money then? go is it is there an option or is it just get shut down no i mean again it will it will come down to um you know 
the essentially the contracts and and how that media is being bought. As you said, if if you bought media specifically around the tournament and that tournament, well, either within or around that tournament, depending again on your rights or or what aren't your rights, um, whether that's through the rights holder or through the through the broadcasters from a from a typical TVC perspective, um, it will all depend on on relationships with those broadcasters, what what the contract is. Um, as I said, you know, if you if you bought, for example, the the sponsorship of um, you know the broadcast broadcast sponsorship on ITV of of Euro 2020 or any other sporting event, and that that sporting event isn't taking place, then the conversation will be whether it's it's postponed till the following year, um, whether it, it's null and void and, and then goes back out to market. Um, or for any other solution, but again, you know, this is the this is the thing that individually media agencies and local markets will be will be working through, um, but also trying to double guess with what 2021 now looks like. And it, it, in terms of the the sort of, um, it, are there alternatives to to live football that you think? Okay, well, you know, there there is online, there is you know the digital sort of space. Is that can that ever? So I know it's not. It's a different thing. But is that is that ongoing? You just continue that spend in terms of, of around around live events, or just maybe around archive or around other other you know sport. Yeah. Is that something? I mean, again, you know, you need to you need to obviously adapt to the you know again any brand you know um, you know in, in in any change you know it's the same when I was at, at Samsung. Um, you know, four years ago, working around the Olympics and the, and the, um, the Rugby World Cup 2015. And, um, you know, we had obviously a, a sponsorship with the England rugby team. So we had very England rugby focused um, advertising. And then around the Olympics, we had obviously a global deal as well as a deal with Team GB. Um, and so you're reacting as you go to, to how the events unfolded. Obviously, in 2015, the performance of England rugby was, uh, was, was not great. Um, but actually, for us as a, as a partner, it actually worked very, very well because we had focused on putting legends into all of our advertising. Um, some of the school of rugby activity with, with Jack Whitehall mm. and Lawrence Valerio and Martin Johnson. So, as unfortunately the current team hadn't done done very well, the the uh, the sort of the golden halo above the 2003 team became even more so. So, so we were actually buying up more media space to run through the knockout stages when England had actually run out because we felt our campaign was, was still topical whereas other England rugby sponsors were having to obviously either pull slots that were already already bought and that's the that's the nature of, of working in sport is you know you never, you never quite know in terms of results or the ambassadors you're working with what's going to happen so um it's not just a case of, of taking a media plan that was based around one tournament and then thinking right what other sports going on um it's obviously seeing what, what's relevant, what's topical, who are you trying to target, what are you trying to achieve, and obviously, in a, you know, the reality is, is in a, is in a, uh, in an environment that we are in now, um, there's there's not a lot of live sports on, as as you've mentioned, you know, some of the archive stuff is coming to light, and you know, I think UEFA have done have done a great job with UEFA TV, um, you know, pushing out a different match every night, sort of trying to keep to the initial schedule. So, so you know, Tuesday and Wednesday is a, a classic Champions League game. Thursday is Europa League game. And I think Friday, Saturday and Sunday become uh, men's and women's, uh, you know, national team Euros or, or Nations League fixtures. So, you know, a, a, another way in which, um, you know, fans can sort of stay connected with, with, uh, with football. 
Um, but if I'm honest, I think sort of how you target around that is, is, is a bit of a secondary question at the moment for everybody. The internet, the, the, your, I mean, obviously I was going to mention you about your, your previously um, at Samsung, but I'm just wondering if there was, there was the, that moment where obviously England went out of the, the Rugby World Cup. Does that, from a personal point of view, did that, has that shaped how you look at how you approach big events? terms of there is always the risk of the host going out or you know your team going out does that do you need to hedge and is that was that experience something that you thought okay that's a learning point for me as a you know from a, as a career sport sponsorship um sort of uh, person yeah i mean you know absolutely and, and you know and as as this situation will be and, and from a personal perspective you know i think about almost every day you know how i'm how how am i working with with the team, with, with my colleagues, with partners, you know, are, are we doing the right thing? Um, you know, are we, where to push, where not to push? And so again, in, in a couple of months' time, when 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 hopefully this is this is uh, not not quite as as serious as it is at the moment, or as, as hot as it is at the moment, probably, you know, I'll probably look back on this and and think about all the experiences and and how what I've learned and how I've grown and how I've developed and, and how I look at the sports marketing and sponsorship world and, and 2015 as you said was a and 2016 as well was a was a, a was a really really good example of that you know ultimately like most people I'm a, I'm a sports fan deep down and to have the privilege of, of working in 2015 for a brand like Samsung um on the on the rugby world cup but as, a, as an England rugby sponsor um and also being given the tools at that time at Samsung to, to create something very different in terms of what the what the Samsung School of Rugby was, um, you know, with BBH Sport and and those guys, you know, the, the the campaign we came up with was was very very different to anything that, that Samsung had ever done. And um, so whilst that was a was fantastic to work on, and, and again, I remember how um, sort of I suppose proud and excited I was knowing knowing what we had in the can and waiting to release that. So I feel you know I really feel for um, a number of agencies and brands and rights holders that would have been working so hard for years on plans that were about to to take shape and, and they may be delayed or, or never see the light of day. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, in terms of the learning, I'd love to say that, you know, we sat there and thought about every different scenario. Of course we did, but many of the, I'll be honest with you, we didn't have many conversations about England completely crashing out in the group stage. Um, but as I said, you know, we were half planned half lucky that we actually did make the decision not to use current players we had a really strong in in our view cast of of talent from 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 jack who was who was very much um about to, to really hit the sort of hollywood and a-list time to as i said lawrence martin maggie alfonzi jason robinson jason leonard um you know everybody we used was, was an absolute star and um when England obviously then went out of the tournament, it, it gave us a lot, a lot more, um, a lot more options that we weren't reliant on certain individuals. You know, again, it's not just the team's performance, but you know, if you if you pick one England rugby player and, and that player is, let's say, responsible for a loss or, or gets sent off or or does something, you know, that 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 just heightens the risk for you, and, that, and that's one of the risks of working in, um, with ambassadors. Um, you know, we even got very lucky with the Samsung School of Rugby because we worked with Nigel Owen sort of very last minute and we actually shot an episode with him and then all of a sudden he became this bit of a star of the tournament and then ended up refereeing the final so we had a, a special Nigel Owen slot ready to go at half time on ITV 
And I'd love to say that was beautifully planned, but it was just very fortuitous. What's the what in terms of the the you know Samson obviously an IOC partner as well? What's the difference in scale? Because obviously people talk about the Olympics as being, you know, the 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 pinnacle. And and is there is there a do you feel that difference in terms of just the scale and size of the thing and the sorts of decisions that need to get made? Again, I talk from a personal sort of position and decision, and 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 I, I don't. It's absolutely is the pinnacle, but I suppose rather than than have a a very distinct one, two, three, four, you know, I have a, a group of a group of major events that I've been you know very very lucky to work on that I sort of put in the same bracket. Now you know each of those have absolutely their different challenges, um, you know whether it's whether it's FIFA, whether it's UEFA, whether it's the IOC as you mentioned. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't, I mean, a number of people would, and, and clearly from, you know, depending on what metrics you look at, the, the Olympics is of course right up there, There's the Olympics and Paralympics. And, um, I think probably because of the multitude of sports, because of the multitude of athletes from, you know, from your Usain Bolt to your, um, to your, almost your part-time athlete that, that, um, you know, suddenly wins a shooting gold or something and, and, and becomes a, becomes a big celebrity. Um, the, the stories are almost sort of richer, and 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 the Olympics' ability to really galvanise, um, I suppose, na- you know, national pride. You know, we we talk anybody that works in or works with a um, with a rights holder, a, a team rights holder, um, or almost like a yeah national federation. You know, we talk a lot about national pride, and and obviously the Olympics, particularly where we're from, in in, in in the UK, it's the only real occasion um, where you know Great Britain and Northern Ireland really come together under one vest. Whereas obviously in a lot, you know, in the Euros, in the World Cup, um, be that cricket, rugby, football, whatever it may be, netball, um, it's England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, uh, Northern Ireland sometimes. So I think that that's the unique point I've always I've always found with with the Olympics. And again, looking back on that Samson work, because it was so close together, you know, six months we went from a very England rugby focused to having a team GB. Um, we 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 didn't have a uh, sorry we had a we a team GB. We also did some um, some team Ireland uh, work out there actually with Katie Taylor who who went on to become or has come on, gone on to become um, professional and world champion and an absolute star in, in her own right in the boxing world as well. Um, so again, you you know your focus becomes a bit more around the flag and galvanizing people as it does about just sort of one one team within a tournament mm. Mm. so just to to finish off really what again throwing it forward to 2021 um what's the do you think there's any sort of chance that the big rights holders are going to get together and coordinate this properly or is this going to be a, a sort of uh, sharp elbows moment where everyone's just trying to get their events away. There, there isn't really a coordinating body, is there, that, that, that you can go to that that brings all of these disparate, massive sports properties together? I guess maybe that's an opportunity for you, Richard, to uh, to launch in the in the coming weeks the, the International <laughs> Federation of Global Federations. See how um, see how far that goes. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure what the acronym is either, but. Uh, but no, I mean, I mean, listen again. You know, as we sit here and, and talk, we, we just don't know the 
um, the full lay of the land. Now, now, obviously, the Euros and the Olympics happening in, the, in 2021 is no different to, as we thought in, in 2020. Um, probably some of the, the bigger questions become on, um, you know, if you think of the major golf tournaments, the, uh, the major tennis tournaments, you know, do, if they don't go ahead um, in, this, in this, obviously, window where we're about to start, you know, sort of, what is it, April, May through to, to maybe July, August for those, you know, are they moved to the end of the year or are they just 2020 never, never happens again? And then again, you look at 21 and go, well, it's just a normal calendar year for those events. Um, I think leagues, obviously, is, is the thing that is the, the toughest at the moment. Um, you know, p- people just don't know when, when football, rugby, at different leagues are, are going to restart again. Again, obviously, decisions are being made every day, you know, at, at different levels, whether it's, whether it's amateur or those, those levels slightly a few steps down from um, the sort of the premier level in each sport. Um, you know, some of those those leagues are being voided as we as we speak, and and, and seasons cancelled, and and now you're seeing all sorts of, of whether it's teams or chairmen, um, you know, looking at legal action and, and all sorts. So, so that's that's probably the toughest one is where we look at seasonal um, competitions and, and understanding are they going to finish, when are they going to start, and what will the impact be on on the following season because. Um, yeah, obviously the the later next season starts, you could then start having impacts into um into events like the Euros and the um and the Olympics and, and obviously you know, we talk very much from a commercial and a business and a sponsorship perspective, but you know, at some point thoughts are gonna to turn to, to the sporting side of all this and, and you know, I mm. I certainly don't have the answers and I'm not an expert, but if we came out tomorrow and said, Right, you know, obviously this isn't gonna happen, but okay, you know, First of April, the Premier League's back on. Well, how long does it take teams to get back up to speed? What what's the status of all the teams? Who's who's still got people that are in quarantine? Who's still got people that actually have um, contracted the virus? Who who have got people that that haven't trained for four weeks properly? Yeah. The the upside is that Spurs, Spurs midfield would be about the same, I think. In terms of well, their, yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm convinced <laughs> Arsenal are on the way back up. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly pushing for uh, for Arsenal. Whatever happens, as long as Arsenal get a Champions League space, that would be uh, a nice sort of UEFA about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, you, and you look at it with the Olympics, you know, and, and how how is this going to, you know, I think that's going to be really intriguing. Is um, what you know, what 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 would the difference be for the results of the Olympics? From if you were to run tw- if 2020 was able to go ahead to 2021, because there's going to be some athletes with a with a year's more experience, a year's more training. A, a, again, I'm not an expert, but you know, a, a year's more development if they if they're very young in their mm. journey. So, you know, that 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 could be very very interesting to look at in in uh, in sort of 18 months time and, and say how, how much do we think that the results of some of these things change um, because because of the delay and the postponement. And again, you know, feel incredibly. Um, I feel incredibly for you know all those athletes that have, will have been for however many years, every single day doing things focused on a on a almost minute or second of time. Um, sometime in July, August, when the Olympics are going to take place, and all of a sudden that focus, that um, that plan, that training is now shifting twelve months, and, and how will that impact them? I am very uh, sort of uh, grateful that you you found the time, very busy time for you to come on and uh, and talk things through. And um, 
goes without saying, stay safe and well. And and uh, I hope we'll um, <clears throat> at some point get together face to face. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, thanks very much for your time. No, hundred percent. Thank, thanks very much for having me on, and and also thanks for uh, for giving people like me so much uh, content to listen to on the uh, on their one daily uh, run out the house each day. It's uh, it's been most appreciated. <laughs> Cheers. Thank <laughs> you.